um, I recognize that Joel Embiid is an excellent basketball player, but I am not into him. I find him super annoying. I, I, I love him. Love him. Love everything See, about that him. See, that seems want, about right. I want Nurkic to be like him. I want Nurkic to be like him. And Nurkic, over the last two weeks, has become more of him. Little smack talk. Yes, but little, so little much better shimmy. in terms of less annoying. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I, I appreciate Nurkic standing oh, over God. Draymond Except for that. You know what? That picture, that's not green. The picture where he's pointing down. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the one where you get teed up Oh, for. yeah. Well, and I also appreciate him shoving Ben Simmons out of the way to get to, Dam- to, get to Damien. Yeah, that was, no, freaking that was awesome. great, too. Okay, because, we have to stop saving. We have, to, we have like to have all this good stuff on the podcast. What do you mean? We're, we're, the podcast is going. Oh, it yeah. is? Well, it's always going. Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast, people. <laughs> Dan, I said that once the season started, we were going to have formal introductions. So mm. <clears throat> let me mm. <clears throat> start. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge oh, podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, joined as always by Blazer's outsider, Danny Morang. Danny, oh, hey, Tara. How, I'm you? good. Have you voted for Damian Lillard for All-Star yet today? Uh, I have not today, but I have. Have been you voted the- every day from various uh, different machines missed, and di- various different accounts? I think I missed missed one. Okay, you can make up for it but because I, they have I, double days up coming up. Oh, done. So dun, dun. make sure that you vote on the double days because your vote will count twice. I can't wait until the first round of votes are released because that comes are out they tomorrow. coming out? Is it doesn't it? I'm so nervous that like. There's not even going to be a blip on there for Damian Lord, but that that's not going to yeah. that's not going to deter me. Like when I went to the game the other night, I sat down and I looked at the guys right next to me and I said, "Have you voted for Damian Lord yet today?" And they were like, "Uh, not today." And I was like, "There's eight minutes until the game starts. You have plenty of time right now. I'll watch." <laughs> yeah, first um, updates we share on Thursday, January third, and then again on the tenth, and then again on the seventeenth. Okay, well. Keep our fingers crossed that Damien makes it into the, uh, you know, into uh, up towards the top. I believe we can do it. Well, uh, I've seen enough from national writers that he's going to make the All Star team without a reserve. I mean, without a uh, right. injury being necessary. Yeah. Like he, I think he's on that level now where. If you're splitting hairs, deciding between this guy or that guy, Dame's going to get that nod. And with guys like Clay Thompson not having a, a just unbelievable season, he should get that reserve okay, nod. Okay, reserve nod pretty, pretty is not good now. enough for me, Dan. You're always encouraging me to strive uh, for okay. excellence. So in this case, I am striving for the highest level of excellence for Damian. But also realistic expectations. <laughs> I don't think they're unrealistic. I don't think it's unrealistic. I admit that it is going to be a very steep hill to climb, but I don't think it's completely unrealistic. If Dame can mobilize the Chinese market, he's got a chance. Well, we'll we shall. We'll see tomorrow. We'll see tomorrow how how much work I have to do. <laughs> if I have to start knocking on doors, <laughs> I will do it. Anyway, since we talked last, the Blazers have been on, I wouldn't exactly say on a a tear, but they have won three of their last four. They've won seven of their last ten. Things are looking less bleak, I would say, than they did. Better, yes. Last time we talked, but also 
I I did say to remind everybody that we knew that this was coming, that we are in the middle of a very, mm-hmm. very difficult stretch. And I think the Blazers have weathered it pretty well. What do you think? They came through December 8 and mm-hmm. 7, which was for me a mm-hmm. win. I said, if you finish that month above 500, you're, you're, you're doing mm-hmm. well. And they did. Um, yep. And now it's about maintaining health and capitalizing on the games that are coming up. You've got the Thunder and Rockets back to back this yeah. weekend. That's that's a tough that's a tough one yeah. to crack. But then you get the Bulls, Hornets, Knicks. Um, then you get that matchup with the Nuggets and another one with the Kings. But then you get the Cavs and then you get some Suns, some Hawks. I mean, it, it gets it gets nice a little, a little bit there around uh, heading into the All Star break. And then <laughs> this is when they need to let's, let's put it this way: this is when they need to make hay because they have that brutal brutal road mm-hmm. stretch uh, after the all-star break, which is like, I think it's like a seven, seven game road. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. From February 21st till March 5th. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be at that last game in Memphis. They're mm. going to be looking good <laughs> after that long trip. Yeah. And it was seven game trip. Was that a game every other night? 21st, 23rd, 25th, 27th, 1st, 3rd, 5th. Yeah. Game every other I don't night understand how the Blazers have played so many stretches of every other night because in December they had one little mm-hmm. spot where they didn't play every other night. They actually had two nights off in a row one time in December, which mm-hmm. was followed by a back to back. It's just, and then they have our, you know, this week, Wednesday, and Thursday off. And then they go into another brutal stretch of back to back of um, every other night that's bookended by back to backs. It's just yeah, with uh, OKC yeah. Houston back to back, and then a Denver okay. Sacramento back to back. Yeah, let's on the road. let's let's not talk about the schedule anymore. Let's talk about basketball. <laughs> um, what do we know now that we didn't know a week ago about these Trailblazers? Hey, um, I don't know. Maybe that that. You can run the offense through Yusuf Nurkic, and good things will happen. Oh, my goodness. The Bosnian beast is, <laughs> he's just playing out of his mind, and I'm so excited. I was giggling like a schoolgirl during oh, the Kings game. I just, just giddy with unadulterated, pure, holistic joy. <laughs> okay, I'm... There was... It was, it, it was. I'm going to give Everything you my one it. take, and then, like, I want you to, like, kind of break down, like, the numbers and, like, what he's been doing over the last mm-hmm. thing. But my my whole take on Yusuf Nurkic, and you know that I was very late to the to coming around to him because I wanted to, to see some things. And one of the things that I kept saying about him last year is I said, I want to see Yusuf Nurkic when the chips are down, when they're struggling, when things aren't going right, I want to see him put the team on the on his back. And that game in San Francisco or in uh, Sacramento after they blew that 14 point lead and Sacramento took what is like a 7 or 9 point lead, Yusuf Nurkic never stopped. He dug in and he put the team on his back. I mean, he of course he was helped by Damian hitting some really key shots. He was helped by other players making some really great plays. But the fact that he was in it the entire time to me shows the maturity that I am just absolutely loving. And I think is so fantastic to go along with his, you know, just fundamentals that have improved also over the year. Yes, absolutely. Um, Couple takeaways here. 
one, I just looking through, I think it's the second most minutes that Nurkic has played in the game. If it's not, if it's not second, it's third. That right there is a lot. And going off of the whole putting a team on his back, Nurkic only had 10 shot attempts against the Kings. Mm-hmm. But 14 of 16 from mm-hmm. the free throw line. If you remember back in September, one of the things I talked about before we hopped on the podcast, one of my keys to the season was, or the most important guy this season for this team was, to me, Yusuf Nurkic, because he had the most room to grow. Mm -hmm. And with that, it was about being more successful in the paint, i.e. finishing in traffic, no more flip shots, being strong at the rim, and dunking, and upping his free throw percentage. He was a career 61% free throw shooter, Tara. He's at 75% yeah. this season. And he started right out the gate shooting well. Yes. He's been good most of the season. Nurkic is almost to the point when he, where he goes to the line, I'm pretty comfortable expecting mm-hmm. him to make them. And that's a hell of a transition from a guy who was a liability at the line for his career up until this season. Um, the other thing is... One of the things that you questioned was how would Nurkic react if he's not getting the ball or if he's not shooting? And one of the things I, I took from that Kings game last night is he played all those minutes. And what I noticed was when he had to take a breather, you know where he took it? Where? On the, on the offensive end. Oh. He didn't take it on the defensive end. He stayed locked in defensively the whole damn mm-hmm. game. And I was sitting there watching, waiting for it, because I'm like, okay, he's over 30 minutes. He's gassed. And Nurk has said it. Like, once he gets over 30 minutes, he's like, I got to kind of pick and choose my moments. I mean, there's just not many guys in the league. There's maybe five guys in the league who were in Nurkic's weight class. And you're talking about the Embiid's, the Andre Drummond's. Um, Steven Adams is probably right it, on the edge of that. Is he Looney up there? He seems really... No. He just seems really broad. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Maybe just because I've seen him so much recently, but he seems no, quite he, broad. He's, he, he's he's big up top, but he's he's not nearly mm-hmm. as thick as the rest mm-hmm. of these guys. But yeah, um, Nurkic but I mean, is there's, there's a big only, dude. He's huge. <laughs> well, one of the things that I love is that Kevin Calabro has taken to saying 290 pounds frequently on the air lately. No, no, no more of this 260 <laughs> nonsense because nobody's fooling anybody that Myers Leonard and Yusuf Nurkic are 10 pounds apart. I mean, no. <laughs> well, so I have been very impressed at uh, at Nurkic's stamina because, like you said, he is a big guy and he's playing more minutes. And I was worried that him playing more minutes was going to be detrimental to his performance. And I think playing more minutes feeds him. It has him. been at times. It, he, he picks and chooses his moments mm-hmm. better. What we have? Yeah. What, what's what's something that drove you crazy about Yusuf Nurkic? The reaching, mm-hmm. right? Okay. What have you not seen him do really this year? I don't see him doing anything uh, like without thought. I mean, he just yeah, he, seems he, to it, be mo- so much more deliberate in everything that he does. And he's not like finding himself out of position and reaching or, you know, lunging here or there. He's in the right position so he doesn't have to work as hard to get to the right position. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. Well, let's talk about how Yusuf Nurkic's uh, increased production um, has translated to the other players on the floor because it certainly looks to me like rather than you know somebody that we've always been concerned with um, how much he gets the ball is um, 
Maurice Harkless, but I feel like he's been playing really well lately too. How do you feel like he's been doing? So I'm probably one of Harkless's biggest uh-huh. critics, and it's not because I think he's a bad player. It's because I think he has every tool that Portland needs, and he doesn't deliver it regularly, so it just pisses me off. But with that said, I thought the effort, the intensity, the commitment, everything that he had against the Kings last night was maybe his best game I've seen from him as a Blazer. And it, it, it wasn't like this monster box score night. It was a good night. Don't get me wrong. It was a very good night. But even when he wasn't getting credit for a steal, he had his hands in passing lanes on deflections, uh, helping and recovering, hedging, getting over the top, just in the right place at the right time all damn mm-hmm. night. And that's realistically, he should be that guy nightly. He has the capability. It's unquestioned. He has the capability to do that. And I'm not saying that in the capability, in the sense that the capability that just because Yusuf Nurkic had a 20-20 by 5 game, he has a capability to go out and do that every night. You need the right set of circumstances. But with Harkless, his set of circumstances is there for him every night. Well, I I think I've been watching him closely. I, I did a... Um, I included him in the mom's favorite column I wrote this weekend for his activity in the steals and the blocks department. And after I wrote it, I realized that was the third time that I'd written about him. And the other two times I'd also written about his steals and blocks. And I just got mesmerized watching. Cause I just go through and I watch like all of Mo Harkless's steals, all of his, um, uh, his blocks. And what he's been doing lately is he's a, just a few inches closer to the guys that he's guarding and he's keeping with them through their entire run from like one side of the court to the other. He must be putting in more miles than uh, he has ever, I would guess, because he is running all over the place because he's staying with people as they're making their entire run from one side of the court to the other. But then the other thing that's happening on offense is that now he's got two people potentially passing to him because Nurkic has been getting so many yes. assists that I, I feel like Mo maybe feels like he's more engaged or he has to be alert and ready for a pass more often because it's not just coming from Damian. He could be getting it at any time also from Nurkic. Yeah, and that, that was exactly where I was going with this is that with the Blazers moving the ball inside to Nurkic more, Nurkic is very much like uh, Sabonis. Like he, when he catches the ball in that face-up, unless he hasn't had a shot in like 20 minutes, his initial look is usually bring the ball up high and look for somebody. And Harkless has found that, hey, if I'm a willing cutter, or if I willingly run the floor on the fast break, probably going to get the ball. And it's led to some confusion at <laughs> times, because <laughs> I think he gets a little anxious still, just trying to figure out the timing on the cut, and the, 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 he's cutting at the same time as Aminu, and that'll happen with the free flow offense with, as they kind of change things around him and, and move where the ball is, as not as much on the perimeter and more in the high post. And with that, Harkless is playing a better brand of basketball. And Fred was like, "This is all Harkless needed. He just needs the ball." Well, here's the pecking order, folks: Dame, CJ, Nurkic, and then everybody else. And that's how it's always going to be. Harkless is a cursory player. He's not going to be a featured player. He needs to cut. He needs to work off off the, the corners. He needs to be in the weak side. He needs to run the floor. And if he does those things, he'll be rewarded. And I think that it's just an easier reward when you're moving, excuse me, moving the ball around and not necessarily by 
moving the ball around within the offense, but moving where the attack is coming from, from the perimeter above the break, from the corner, uh, wing pick and rolls, um, high post, pinch post, off uh, horn sets, just different areas. And by doing so, Harkless has got a little bit more freedom to react and to move around and the Blazers are capitalizing on that. I, I just while you were talking, I had this flash of the billboard from this summer that Trailblazing made that said LeBron Dame needs a third option, and I just realized yeah. that Mo has filled that role. Um, fourth option. I'll, I'll go. I'll well, go that far. if if Nurkic and CJ are the first and second options. After Damien. Oh, well, no, it's Dame needs a third option. So okay. Dame has one uh, option, Nurkic, two options, CJ, third option, Mo Harkless. And then you, ha- okay. and then you have Aminu like just that, running sure. around playing cleanup. Yeah, and Aminu's actually uh, found himself a little bit energized finishing off some of those cuts, too. We've, we've had a, a few adventures in, oh, in dribbling over the past few weeks. them. Love it. <laughs> love the chaos. He's p- totally brought back the chaos. Like, I was fine at the beginning of the season when he started to, like, be a little bit less chaotic and, you know, he was playing a little bit more under control. Like, he'd bring the ball up, you know, halfway and then toss it to Dame or whatever. But I am I love it when he brings just brings the chaos. <laughs> yeah, he had... He had like a base or a drop step spin move on somebody where he was completely out of control, and he somehow gathered it and brought it back. And I was like, eh, you know what? I Whatever, know. I know. Like, it's not always pretty. I will fully uh, admit that it doesn't always it's, work it's out. It's almost never pretty. It's almost never pretty. But it, it, he's he's definitely a uh, a results results oriented <laughs> guy. It's not about how it looks. That's, that's well, sure. and I, you know, I always say that sometimes it's so chaotic and so confusing that both teams are just standing around going, "What is going on?" <laughs> but he was the hero at the end of that Golden State game, along with Damian Lillard. I mean, he corralled that pass and tossed it to Damian so that he could hit that shot in the Golden State game. That was such <laughs> a weird play. You get the Nurkic steal. Dame driving, going up in the air and getting caught, then like kind of loosely just dropping the ball. Aminu scoops it up and Dame relocates. And you made it sound really not exciting the way you just recited it. Well, I mean, just watching that play happen live, I was like, yes, yes, no, no, yes. But that's what makes (laughs) it exciting. That's what makes this game so awesome. For me, anyway. I, I know that you like it when it's just all yes, 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 yes. But that's not possible. Uh, don't give me, no, it's, I'd like it to be a little bit tighter. I, there's, there's no argument there. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it was something. Let's just call it that. But one thing I want to get back to on Nurkic here is that the next step in this evolution is optimizing C.J. McCollum with this new style of offense it hasn't completely changed it's still Damon cj and cj has been phenomenal in the mid-range he just can't buy a three to save his life right now cj over like his last 10 is shooting something like 26 percent let me let me update this is last five uh let's see three point percentage cj's 25 percent oh so very not very yeah. not cj thankfully 
Damian Lillard is 47%, and Seth Curry is 57%. Seth has been just flat out bonkers. Yeah, let's let's talk about Seth in just a minute, but I want to go back to one thing you just said about Damon, CJ, and CJ's Mm -hmm. place in this new offense. What would you characterize as like what the new offense looks like compared to what the old offense? Do you mean like the offense now running with the ball running through Nurkic more often? Yes. So where's CJ's part in that? Exactly. With the ball in Nurkic's hand, it means it's not in Uh CJ's hands. I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to. And I think overall, both right now and in the future, I think it's best that option one is Damian Lillard. Option two is the ball in use of Nurkic's hands. And I'm not, I don't say that, that Nurkic has mm-hmm. to take a shot or that he even has mm-hmm. to be assist. Just the ball, simply put, when you've got Dame on one wing, CJ on another, and you've got Nurkic in the middle of the floor, defenses can't load up and take away the other side. Mm-hmm. What, what, what most defenses try to do is keep the ball on one side of the floor. When the ball goes in the middle, defenses have pick to a side. <laughs> adjust and pick a side. What, pick your poison. And I think ultimately that frees up guys like Aminu and Harkless. And they, there needs to be a, a way to free up CJ a little bit more. Even if it's just moving the ball from one side to the other, instead of just always in the dribble handoff or on the weave or off pin downs, now run some action for CJ off of Nurkic. And then you, you clear more space, and then you allow guys like Harkless and, and Aminu to cut through. Or you get Nurkic on a mismatch, which is that's, that's my next thing to yell about as far as how the Blazers utilize Nurkic. If I see Nurkic get a damn point guard on one more time <laughs> and I see a guard look him off, I'm going to lose my mind. And it's not about getting Nurkic the ball and letting him score. It's letting him get the ball five feet from the rim and back the little-ass dude two feet away from the rim and force somebody to commit or get two free points. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's driving me nuts. Like I, the one nice thing is that that's, so far it's happened this year is a lot of things I've really complained about or been very uh, loud about. The Blazers have done a really good job of adjusting those things. It's, it's not like I'm, I'm omnipotent here and nobody else mm-hmm. sees these. It's just those are the things that I see more than that stand out uh-huh. more than anything. It, and that and the bounce passes in traffic. And nerf, nerf I think of you every time they do one. <laughs> I hope you think of me too, thinking of you. No, it, it's, it's, it's hilarious because it, I've said it so many times now during games that Joe and Shane, before I even say anything, they're complaining about it. Like, they're like, oh, God, could you not do that again? We don't want to hear Danielle about it. They need to again. be stronger. They, to, and not get sucked into your um, hatred of the bounce pass between the defenders. I love the I love the bounce pass. Just the timing and the precision of it needs to be better. And also, every now and then, throw one over How the top. How are they going to get okay, better if they're not practicing in the live game situation? Okay, that, they don't that, have that, the time to that, practice that, regularly because they're playing a yeah, game they, every other night. They do practice a little bit. That and my other harp is just throwing the ball up in the air to bigs more mm-hmm. frequently. The one that I, 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 I'm pointing out here, the Evan Turner lob to Myers Leonard, what, it didn't end up counting, mm. where he caught it, like, when Yeah, the one that he did get. reversed it, and it was like, good I God. Know, that would have been so great. The, that man is that capable of doing that. Nurkic is capable of doing it. Collins is clearly capable of doing it. Harkless is capable of doing it. For 
please just do that for, more for my, my sanity. <laughs> Throw a lob every now and then. I, listen, I don't care if you miss a few on the way there. Just just to keep the deep, because I, I guarantee defensive scouting reports for the Trailblazers right now are keep your hands low mm-hmm. on those pick and rolls. Keep your hands low. Because they're going to bounce past. They're not going to pass over the top. Well, maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe they're doing that on purpose. Maybe they're trying to lull their opponents into a sense of complacency. And then after, so the second half and then of the in the season, playoffs, they boom, the they're going to start throwing everything over the top. You know what's hilarious? As we're talking about this, I have the Thunder and Lakers on. Westbrook and, and Adams just ran a pick and roll. You know they what they threw did it over with the, the ball? Top. Threw it over the top, and he just got hacked by four people, and he's at the free okay. throw line now. Um, okay, with this, with the ability to send the ball to Nurkic and then have Nurkic either uh, try to make a shot or continue with the play, is that something that is going to be more effective against teams like, say, New Orleans Pelicans, who would double team Dame? So that's yeah. that's that's, that's how, how you, you relieve, do it. That's how you relieve that. You get away from. Okay them being able to blitz the pick and roll. Now, here's the other thing is you can run Nurkic in the high post and you can run Damian Lillard off those cuts and you have somebody else running a secondary action mm-hmm. behind him. And I mean, if CJ's floating to one side, Dame's floating on the other, then I mean, just off that action alone, you're going to get somebody free or Nurkic is going to get isolation deep mm-hmm. in the post. Okay. And listen, I, I know a lot of teams would rather have Nurkic be that guy, but I think Nurkic is elevating his game enough and high, to a high enough level where you don't well, – look what the Warriors did to him in the, in the second game. They were so terrified of him, they sent a double team at him to start the game. They're like, we're not going to let this mm-hmm. crap happen. And if you're getting that out of the Warriors already, think about what teams are, are looking at in the playoffs. They're not going to want to have that happen all game long when every possession mm-hmm. matters. Because you get guys in foul trouble, you get easy buckets, the pace slows down, and that physical style, that's what happens. And thats I'm, I'm really thrilled to see Portland go, going more towards this way while still being reliant on the perimeter game. Okay, all this is well and good, but uh, against the, the uh, competition the Blazers have been facing for the most part recently, but how does this work against big bigs like Gobert? Because that didn't go so well. <laughs> no, um, but I also think that the guards had some pretty trem- or pretty horrendous games in those games, too. It, it, it's kind of a chicken and the egg. You use Nurkic to get Dame going. You use Dame to get Nurkic going, you know, kind of playing off those two. And um, Utah, I think, is a, <laughs> they're a lot better team than people want to give them credit for. I think that's just the, the nature of the beast, really. Um, and that, I think, the, the biggest takeaway, at least I have, at least for a team like Utah and specifically Gobert, um, Nurkic has just got to find a way. He, he needs to find a way to handle that matchup. And, and over the last two years, he has shown that he can learn how to be effective in matchups, even after he lost the matchup. And I think one of those ways is to get him involved as a playmaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, I think they're... They've got um, Oklahoma City coming up on Friday, so that'll be interesting to see how he mm-hmm. does against Adams, and then and, and then Capella, yeah, and then Capella. But then also, I think the other one, of course, that I'm interested in is Denver on the 13th against Jokic. See how that goes. Yeah, because that, followed that, not too long afterwards by New Orleans again and Utah. We'll see how that one goes. But the the Denver one for me, me and uh, Dane Delgado were talking about this, and it was. Both of us noticed the same thing from, good God, what an alley-oop. Uh, both of us noticed this um, 
from Nurkic against Jokic last time is that Nurkic got so concerned with keeping Jokic under control that he was like, I'm just going to stay mm. here. And I think it was to the detriment of the team yeah. in that game. Maybe he'll feel a little bit more but emboldened this time. Yes, exactly. And I, I think that's the case. And I think over these last two weeks, even more so than the box score impact, the confidence that comes with this, both from his performance and from his teammates, I think that that means more than about anything else mm-hmm. going forward. Yeah, I just I'm so impressed with how much growth he has shown, both in his you know fundamentals, um, in finding new roles, new ways to be effective on the field, and then you know afterwards in his interviews and in his you know his actions and his demeanor and how he behaves and, and you know speaks about his teammates and you know, is not the center. He always, he's going, doing the Damien model of putting everybody else's accomplishments first. It's, it's just fantastic. That's a lot of Nurk talk. Um, I don't want to get lost. The fact that Seth Curry has had some really good games also towards the end of December. So maybe kind of switch over to, I guess the secondary unit. Um, yeah, I guess what are your thoughts on on Seth's uh, performance lately and how the second unit has changed their lineups a little bit or have you seen significant changes in their lineup, I guess? So the only thing that's set really within the Blazers lineup is Dame C.J. Nurkic and to a lesser extent mm-hmm. Aminu. Parkless will come and go um, because that's who he's kind of been. I'd love to see that change. He's going to change. And I believe in also him. The, it's going to okay, happen. It's going to happen. No, I'm I'm serious. I I really think that uh, we're going to see I, a, a stronger, more confident, um, more consistent uh, Mo Harkless. I'm on the thrice bitten, twice shot here. So that's okay. I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll 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 believe in him. Uh, You'll come I around too. But I I just I just can't. Okay. Right. You'll now. come around. Um, the other part is health. He's been getting rested on back-to-backs. He's had soreness. that It hasn't gone away yet, so we'll see with that. Stauskas has been reduced to almost garbage yeah. minutes. We've seen CJ playing with the second unit again. Seth being more ball-dominant uh, with the second unit. Yeah, it seems to me he's uh, holding on to the ball, ball been... more than he... Like, Turner was getting more uh, ball at the beginning of the season, and Seth is now seeing holding on to it longer. Uh, Seth is definitely trying to find his place. And I think that, but I mean, we're, we're talking about the, a Blazers team that since LaMarcus and, and Batum and Wes and all those guys left, that's been the MO. I just think that there's a little bit more to this team now, especially on the offensive end. When you talk about Seth and Stauskas, Zach and Myers, I think, I think that you've got some guys in Evan. Um, I think you've got some guys that can do some things more consistently than we've seen in the past. Uh, Myers is at the point now where he's a very solid, capable backup big in this league. He rebounds well. He shoots incredibly well. Um, Zach is having some moments again of honest, good production. Still has some moments of shaky stuff. I think really he's back on par with what he ended last season with, which that's fine. Mm -hmm. But I think the Blazers are going to need more from him going forward, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, for sure. But wait, back to Seth. So do you see that there's been, like, a change in the rotation of that second unit? Oh, yeah. No, there has been. So CJ's CJ's staying in longer. uh, 
Goat staying in longer or coming out sooner with or like coming off the bench with the second unit. Um, there's been some weird stuff. Right. Lately. That Sacramento um, game was Sacramento very different. Game, yes. And that was because Dame was yeah. sick. And th- this isn't side eye like Dame was hungover. I've talked to a few guys. Dame was definitely sick. Um, just just feeling sure. under the weather. It's flu season. There were season. other, there were other times of season when you yeah there were there were other times of season where there were some flop sweats on the floor and you could have some questions about some other guys. Um, but Dame was just wasn't feeling good. So you saw um, Seth out there with the starters for a mm-hmm. period when Seth got hot in the in the game. Um, How about Evan Turner? Is he? I mean, I've I've heard some rumblings of you know people thinking that Evan Turner isn't effective as as effective as he was at the beginning of the year he's not because he doesn't have the ball in his hands as much but I'll I'll tell you what granted the 76ers didn't give a crap in that game Evan Turner got the start and he locked up oh my god okay for just for one like little second on the 76ers Without Joel Embiid, they were terrible. I couldn't believe. Yeah. I, I forgot so, Jimmy Butler was on the team until like halfway yeah. for the, through the first quarter. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot they have Jimmy Butler. And I only realized it because they couldn't hit a three. And I was like, what happened to Sarich? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was the only reason I remember that Jimmy Butler was even out there. Yeah. So the weird thing is, so Friday night. My girlfriend and I went out to dinner, and I saw Butler and J.J. Redick in the restaurant. And I'm like, oh, crap, these guys are already in town. They're going to be really well-rested going into Sunday night's game. And so I expect them to, you know, come out gangbusters. I mean, they hadn't played since Thursday night in Utah. So that means they got out of Utah quick and got to Portland and basically hung out for a couple days. And Portland's playing on a back-to-back in, in games where they went long. Yeah. Nurkic is playing. Nurkic played what 30, 35 minutes on Thursday and then thirty three minutes on Saturday. And I'm like, there's no way he's going to be able to give you a thirty plus again, right? Mm. And then Nurk goes out there and gives you twenty one, but he just absolutely destroyed. Well, every they didn't single have matchup. anybody. <laughs> to say. No, and th- what's crazy is going back to Nurkic a little bit here is that for four straight games. There has not been a player on the opponent's roster that could handle Yusuf mm-hmm. Nurkic. I mean, that's. But I, I but worry I that that's, that's a lot of a, a function was, of you know the roster and injuries. I'm that's why I'm really anxious to see how he does in these next two games this weekend against yes, OKC. That's, that's and what I was Houston. getting to. But I think Nurkic is realizing, and again, you and I have talked about this a ton off air. Nurkic coming to the game of basketball later in life than just about everybody else, right? You know, basically 15 years old before he ever really gets a basketball in his hands. And I think he's realizing and actualizing how big Mm -hmm. he is, how dominant a force he can be. He has been more physical over the last two weeks than at any point in time that I've seen him in his career. Mm -hmm. But He has backed guys down, and then he uses his counters, his drop-step spin, his little up-and-under, his step-through. But he's using his physicality to set the tone, and not just in the post, but as a screen setter too. And I think that those are the things, no matter who he's going up against. I mean, physically, I think the only guy in the league who's a real problem for Yusuf Nurkic on a strength level are Andre Drummond and Joel Mm -hmm. Embiid. I think those are the only guys in the league who can hang with him. 
And even against those matchups like we has coming up with Steven Adams and Clint Capella, I think that if if we see the physically imposing Yusuf Nurkic in those games, that's going to be a, a hell of a sign going forward for the rest yeah. of the season. Well, and just to reflect a little bit on how, you know, Yusuf having come late to the game is figuring out how to do things. I think the last few years he's tried to figure out, you know, who he is and what his skills are and how to, you know, how to make the most of what his, his talents are. But I think this year he's gone to another level of trying to figure out what all that means in the context of the team. And, you know, that's behind Damian Lord's leadership that's behind the, you know, just like the culture in this locker room of the team that we, you know, we complain about sometimes like, oh, the continuity is so boring. The Blazers are, you know, are doing the same thing. They're running the same thing back. You have talked about how they're on the hamster wheel. And I don't think any of that is wrong. But what I like to do is call out the fact that Yusuf Nurkic has learned how to use that to his advantage because he's figured out who he is and how he's key to making this team that he knows really well, how he's figured out how to help them become more successful. Yeah, no, I, I think that's spot on. And that's, so there you go. I think Nurk is the only guy on this team who outside of Damian Lillard has that ability to like impact the game in so many facets. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it'll be interesting to see over the, over the next I don't know, week of games to see how, how long Keep your eye on, on Mo Harkless. So one of the things that we've been seeing a whole bunch lately, you know, like I said, obviously, is uh, Dame and Nurkic. But I'm wondering if you've seen any other combinations on the field, whether or not it's the starters or the secondary unit, any other combinations of players that you think are interesting and worth watching? Uh I, I want to see what develops more with the second unit because Evan Turner with Zach Collins and Myers Leonard is the next one I go to. And the other one is as far as like integrating CJ Moore into the offense. I, I saw somebody say the other day that CJ McCollum really needs to work on his pick and roll game. Hmm. And I, I almost put my head through a wall. Like CJ came into the league as one of the best pick and roll guards out mm-hmm. of college. He was very much like Damian Lillard. But who does he do it with? Does he do it with Nurkic? I've seen him do it with Myers in the second unit. Yes, and that's the thing is he's not – I don't think he's getting enough opportunities to work off the pick and roll as much as he used to because remember last year, CJ was was with the bench unit, and so he's running a ton of Mm -hmm. pick and roll. It's it's like all of a sudden everybody forgot that CJ McCollum used to run pick and and roll endlessly. Yeah, he did it endlessly last year and the years before when he was running the second unit. So I think that it would be nice. It would be nice to see CJ not necessarily working off DHOs all the time with Nurkic, but also working in the pick and roll with him. Mm-hmm. It also save his legs a little bit because he runs so much. Well, that that may be the other part of it is that CJ's the only guy on this team, other than maybe Jake Lehman, who can run like that. Just run for days and days and days and days and wear opposing defenses down. And that may be factored into why he's not running as much pick mm-hmm. and roll. Because then if, if, if it's CJ running the pick and roll, you've got Dame running off stuff. And Dame expends so much damn energy every possession mm-hmm. that that's probably part and parcel why we don't see it as much with CJ mm-hmm. McCollum. So, um, is, so you're thinking that the, the next evolution of a duo may be CJ in more pick and roll like with Nurkic or with like one of the other bigs 
or if he gets more run with the second unit? Um, realistically, I, I just want to see more pick and roll out of CJ and uh -huh. Seth. I think both those guys are more than capable. I mean, you were surprised when I told you how good yeah. Seth was the year before with Dallas as a pick and roll player. Seth was in the top like 5% of pick and roll uh -huh. guards. Uh, last time he was healthy in Dallas. I mean, Seth is a very, very good pick and roll player. Uh, the, the Blazers between Seth, Dame, and CJ, probably the the best combination three three guards in the league at as far as depth wise and and and, and how adept they are at running that set. Um, but the, I guess the counter of my own argument here is the playbook is kind of out on Portland on how to bust up that pick and roll. So maybe the, the two-man combinations need to come from Zach or Myers and guys working off him. And, then, and this is the other thing as far as like what's been nice to see about Nurkic. Myers is a very, very good passer, and Zach has shown flashes of that too. I'd like to see the Blazers work the ball inside in general, not necessarily to the post, like to, for a straight post-up, but just inside out, outside in. Um, to Myers, to Zach, and then have guys moving off of them because all three of those guys are more than capable passes. And I think that would develop some nice uh, additional two-man game mm -hmm. scenarios. Yeah, no, I I like the idea of just Portland having a um, a handful of, you know, uh, big guys, front court guys who are capable passers. And that's just like no matter who's in, the other team has to pay attention to the center potentially being able to pass. I think that's yeah, a, and a cool realistically, wrinkle. Hell, Biggie's a, a capable <laughs> passer. And I'm, I'm not advocating for Biggie to get in there, but something that Portland has clearly prioritized in, in who they want as their big men, passing is a priority. Yeah. Uh, they, oh, it they, was. They yeah, that's right, because Plumlee was a passer. Yeah. Hell, Robin learned mm -hmm. how to pass. Um, it, it took LaMarcus eight years <laughs> to figure it out, but he finally figured out how to pass out of the block. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one last thing that I've been thinking of, because it is the turn of the new year. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm not going to talk about New Year's resolutions, but what I want to know is, are there any stories that you'd like to see left behind in 2018? Anything that you're tired of hearing about? Uh, right now, for me, it's Zach Collins needs mm -hmm. to start. Okay. Yeah, like... Listen, <sighs> I like Zach... <laughs> I think he's going to be a solid, capable player who's a fringe starter in this league. That's not a bad thing. That's not a shot at him. For everybody's like, he's going to be an all-star. If you think less, you're crapping on him. No. The vast majority of players in this league do not make it to that level. There are only so many starters in the league, and I think Zach has the ability to be that in probably a year or two. But I don't think he's ready to start right now, as we've seen over the last two months. He had the, what, first three weeks of play where everybody's like, oh, my God, he's ready, he's here. And then two months of, oh, he's, he's what he was the end last year. And I think he's going to need another year or two of seasoning before, that's, before that, that's a real thing. Take what Aminu and Harkless give you right now. It's not the best, but the production is more consistent than we're getting with Collins right now. And until a personnel move is made, i.e. Aminu or Harkless or one of those guys is traded, mm -hmm. then I think it's one of those things where that needs to be put on the back burner and everybody just needs to kind of just eh, pump your brakes on that one. 
Okay, first of all, I don't think you need to qualify him as a fringe starter. I think it's okay to just say that in the future he will be a, he'll be a capable starter. I don't. I think he needs to be on the right team. Mm-hmm. That that's that, that's that's the real that's the reality of it. I, I don't think he's a starting center in this league. And as a power forward, I think you need to have the right kind of power forward or the right kind of center around him to make it work. That's why I call him a fringe starter, because it's the same with Nurkic. And coming into this year, I had Nurkic as a fringe starter who's a starter by default because he was a liability in certain areas. But he's improved so much um, that he's solidified himself as that guy. So by fringe starter, you mean a starter who in the with the right uh, in the right situation would yes. be a starter rather than fringe as in like. Well, we don't have any other choices. We'll put him in. Okay. No, it, it's it's it's. Thank about you for clarifying. The, the, yeah, no, it's about having the 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 right setup around him. Like, um, let's take Stephen Adams. Stephen Adams can start on any team in this league. You know what he is. You know what he gives you. You know what his production mm-hmm. is. That doesn't make him an all star, but he's a solid starter no matter where you put mm-hmm. him. Right? You're, you're not you're not playing Stephen Adams off mm-hmm. the floor. What? Anthony Davis is in a whole nother right. world. He's all all world. Who's a uh, who's a center that you would call like a, a fringe starter? Would you say Capella, somebody like that? Okay. Yes, because you need to have a a pick and roll dynamo. He works with the particular combination. DeAndre mm-hmm. Jordan. DeAndre Jordan, his 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 career is defined by Chris Paul, and now he's getting his twilight his eras with Luka Doncic. Uh-huh. But if you don't have guys who are elite level playmakers and pick and roll players, you're you're not utilizing mm-hmm. them. And DeAndre Jordan is a guy that you can play off the floor because of his free throws. Same with Capella. DeAndre Jordan's gotten so, a lot better I mean, in free throws. He has. But yeah, uh, I get what you're but saying. I mean those those are those okay. are guys that like you have to have the right scenario mm-hmm. around them. So and you're you're just saying right now Zach Collins is not ready to start absent a trade that or something that would take Aminu or it. uh Harkless yeah. away. And definitely not yeah, in it, the it, center. It's you're talking about for the. Um, yeah, no. If, if, yeah. if you're advocating Collins to start at center right now over Yusuf Nurkic, I, <laughs> yeah, I got nothing for you, man. I, just, I, I, you, you're, you're, you've, you've reached the Please do not associate me like, with that sentence. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 the, the crazy thing is there are those that are out there that believe uh, that. And I'm just like, listen, hey, more power to you. But I got, I have, I have two stories I'm ready to leave behind in 2018. One is a league-wide story, and that is the it's really hard to win three championships in a row. I so. <laughs> cry me a river with all of your all-stars don't tell me about how hard it is to win three championships in a row i no you mean steve kerr talking about the real I'm nba so yes, steve, done with that story many many teams have had three active hall of famers on their roster at any given time and right struggled. like Shut how up, about steve. they i mean how about they just admit like uh, yeah, we have uh, a good team. We expect that we're going to win, but because there's a lot of good teams that on any night can give us a really good challenge, it's not going to be easy. Like, and we have a lot that's of fine to and say. guys hate each other in the locker but, room. But like the whole, me- <laughs> like oh, like all oh, the national media, they're I've heard so many they're qualifiers. Oh, but other. it's really hard to win three in a row. It's really hard to three peat. Like, oh, I honestly, I can't imagine. What Steve Kerr goes through on a night by night, week by week, season by season basis, trying to manage that many egos. Yeah, poor poor thing. He has all those all stars. Must be rough. I, but then- yeah, but I mean, like just 
and I'm not excusing it in any way, shape, matter, or form as far as what they have been saying. But yeah, the trying to massage all of that regularly, nah, yeah, not for me. <laughs> but the the Blazers related one is I. I think I've said this before on this podcast, and that is if people are still complaining about Myers Leonard not being a real NBA player, they totally need to find something else to do. Because yeah, find another NBA <laughs> or uh, uh, Myers Leonard has shown that he is a solid NBA player. He's not like not an All Star. He's not a starter, but he's reliable. He's a capable bench big backup yes. center, and. Like even and, compare, you know, I don't, I'm sure you can like uh, pull up the numbers, um, but you know, and he is an expensive one, but he's not the most outrageously expensive and he's out there playing. That's what I just keep coming to. So that is the story that I'm going to leave behind and I'm going to leave behind by not talking about it anymore. Okay. I'll, I'll let you off that <laughs> one. But yeah, I mean, it's, that's a hundred percent true. Myers is a capable bench big who spaces the floor and rebounds well enough and, and does things that you need on this team right now. It's, it's flat out. Yeah. So what else do we have to talk about tonight? We should probably wrap it up. Um, like we've got two whole nights off in a row, so we should probably go enjoy that because there's not going to be a two nights off in a row until the end of January. Don't say it out loud. <laughs> Remember, I have to work these nights. <laughs> That's why I'm saying we have tonight yeah. off and tomorrow, so we should we should cut this short and go enjoy <laughs> go enjoy all you this know what, time. You know what I would love to leave behind? I was really really hoping to leave behind overtime games. Oh yes, yeah. There's been a lot <laughs> recently. <laughs> Three of them in the span of like a right. week, and I was like, and we we were we were joking in the studio, like ah, there's no way this game will go to overtime, and I just. I looked at Joe and I'm like, "Why would you say that out loud?" <laughs> I know when we were planning recording tonight, I was totally going to say, and uh, you know, or when we were we were going to originally record last night, and I was going to say, uh-huh. in case, "Unless they go into overtime, ha ha ha." So yeah, I didn't make that joke, but it happened anyway. <sighs> but this yeah. whole overtime is like really skewing the numbers because I've um, I've been tracking how many passes the Blazers have been doing um, because. Mm-hmm. I thought that like it seemed like that they'd been passing the ball around a whole bunch more. So like I went and I looked at the. They have been a little bit. More, only a little bit uh, because when you adjust the numbers yes. for overtime, it's still right it's around two hundred and eighty passes, passes though, a game. It's not about how many; it's about where they're going. In the Blazers' wins, the ball is going to Yusuf Nurkic in the post. Well, yeah, game. he gets more post and more elbow touches in Blazers' wins. In losses, he gets less. It's literally that simple. It's like you read my article where I talked about how uh, the total amount of passes has stayed pretty much the same, but the amount of touches that Yusuf Nurkic is getting within all that has gone up pretty dramatically um, over the last 10 games, and then I did, like, the four games previous to that, and it has just, like, there's just a line that just goes straight up in terms of how much he's getting the ball which is great. Mm-hmm. So that bookend, we'll bookend this podcast with talking about Nurkic because he deserves it. <laughs> he's Listen, he's he been playing the, so great. <laughs> and, and the game against the Kings may have been the single most dynamic and impactful game I've ever seen in a regular season. Um, he, he was literally everywhere. Yeah, yeah. He... To, to get 24 well, points Well, to get a 5 by 5 like, and then line, to make... To do it right. in the 2020. <laughs> to get it 2020. That's just, 
Normally, when you get a five by five, it's like you know six points, five boards, five assists, seven steals, six blocks. You know the Andre Karolinko mm-hmm. line. Yeah, that's twenty twenty five yeah. by five. Yeah, and and then the other thing is, oh, twelve of fourteen from the free throw. Or excuse me, fourteen mm-hmm. of sixteen from the free throw line. Yeah, that's, that's exceptional. That to me is 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 insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is. Well, well, so the two free throws that he made at the end of that game to put them, I don't know, within like four, I think, um, when they were making their run to come back, I was like, if he makes those, I might have to make him mom's favorite this week for those under pressure. Yeah. Again, the, the maturity that he's showing is so them. fantastic. Remember, we, we, we've talked about this a few times in the podcast before. CJ McCollum in clutch free throw situations. Mm. Yeah, CJ. We're gonna. We're just gonna hope for a a, a good uh, a good month for CJ. I'm writing CJ. about him this weekend, so I'm 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 gonna have some things to to show yeah. and talk about on. Saturday. I think I, I'm just I'm I'm not thinking about CJ right now. I think he's gonna. I think eventually he'll be fine. But just talking about it, me talking about it, isn't gonna do anything for him. My last thing is, well, I want to know when do you think Yusuf Nurkic is going to get his first triple double. Yeah, that's that's been our biggest discussion between Joe Shade and I. Oh, really? He's the most likely candidate to get it. Uh, we I think how about the thirteenth of January against Denver? That's I'd a good love a that. Good that would be like so amazing. He he would love it. Too, be let's so, be honest. Well, yeah, that's uh, why it would be so great. I didn't just pull Nurk that out had, of the air. No, Nurk had thirteen, ten, and four. I said it on Twitter last night. I think in like the second quarter. And I'm like, he has a legitimate chance for a triple-double. And then I looked at his other stat lines, Ooh. and I was like, he's got an outside <laughs> chance at a 5x5. Five five. Like, kind of like half-joking. Yeah. Like, I didn't expect him to pick up like three more, or I think it was like four more blocks and like three steals at the time. I was like, eh, he's got an outside chance, but you know. And then the second half started, and I was like, he's, he's going to get mm-hmm. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was great. Well, let's go ahead and wrap it up. What do you have? Uh, anything? What do you have coming up that's exciting? Your outsiders are back in the studio in your uncomfortable chairs. Oh God! <laughs> I had a I, I had a deep tissue massage today just because just of those chairs. chairs. So. <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry. Like, I, if there's anything I could do, if hips. I could start like a Twitter campaign or anything to get you guys, yeah, light them on fire. <laughs> better chairs. Oh, those freaking chairs, man! <laughs> At least when we me. do the podcast, Dan, you can sit in whatever comfortable furniture you want. I, I am literally in my like, uh, like my gaming chair. Like it's like this giant. Unbelievably ergonomic, comfortable, full-backed, <laughs> arm-rested, well, glorious chair. I hope you appreciate that about the podcast. Yes, this you is true. get to sit in How your comfy you, chair. What do, you, what, what do you have coming? Up? Let's see. I finally checked my calendar for the next edition of uh, the Blazers What Meetup. The next meetup we have is December thirteenth versus Denver. We're going to be meeting up to watch that game. It's a five o'clock game at the McMinimans on Broadway. So uh, folks should come out and join us. We've um, the What Ladies already attended a game together this year against Denver. And um, we're even thinking about maybe going, uh, at least not if not this year, sometime in the future, going on a road trip. And we're like, we should go to Denver. <laughs> so that's sort of become our team to gather uh, around. So that is coming up on January like 13th it. at the Gminimans on Broadway. Nice. The next day, um, I will have my guy, friend of the podcast, Dave Dufour, 
is coming into town on the 14th to pick up a puppy. And he will be on Blazers Outsiders. I think we're going to have him on the pregame show or the postgame show. I'm not sure yet. I still got to work it out. But Dave will be cool. on the on Outsiders. So that'll be something cool to look forward to. Otherwise, it's going to be the pre- and post-game show every game night on NBC Sports Northwest with Joe Simon, Shane Brennan, and myself. Having a good time. And again, thank you to everybody who's been participating lately. Our numbers are all up across the board. So thanks for watching and, and not... Uh, you know, turning off TVs. <laughs> I would, I would, I would be very thankful if you leave your TV on for like an hour after the game. You ends. don't have to watch. Just have your TV on. You just, just, just leave. You it on. You know what? I'm While cool people are uh, having their TV on, they can be voting for Damian Lillard, and they can also be logging go. on and buying tickets to donate to Blazers Edge Night in yes. uh, March. So we're still looking to uh, collect donations. So if you are feeling like being in the giving spirit. Please go to BlazersEdge.com and find out how you can donate tickets to Blazers Edge Night in March. They will be uh, taking those donations for the next couple months, but the sooner you can get them in, the better. I have decided that I'm going to pledge a Blazers Edge Night ticket for every um, alley-oop in, attempt in uh, December and January and they have to get at least 10. <laughs> and if they don't get at least 10, then I'm going to all, all throw in February as well. I think they had like six attempts in. I know I think they had six attempts in December. So um, That's so sad. Yeah, actually, no, I mean, at least 15. They have to have at least 15 in between there, December there and January. There are teams that get that many in a night. So for every alley-oop, I get... will donate a Blazer's Edge, a ticket to Blazer's Edge night. Yeah, there are teams that get like six, seven alley-oop attempts a night. Well, I will be in big trouble if that happens. But the Blazers yeah. Edge Night kids will be no, happy. No, you're, 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 you're safe with, with Portland. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking it'll do about doing something along the same lines. Uh, not necessarily with the alley-oops, but just setting, setting a base. Yeah. Um, and then just, let's see if I can meet it. And if not, then the baseline still still gets, gets in what In what statistical category? I, I don't know yet. I, I, I guess, like you, I kind of wanted the number to land like 15. Uh -huh. Um, what were the what? What's a what's a, a likelihood? I'll probably take a look at the games and see how many games they can win between. Oh. you know now and All Star uh, break. Yeah, All Star break or the week after or something mm -hmm. like that, and then help kind of make up the tidy up the push down the stretch for um, the last few tickets that that usually happens every year. So. That's what I'm looking All for. All right. Well, uh, thanks to the listeners for joining us. Uh, don't forget to go to, um, uh, what is it these called? What's it? The Apple Podcasts or wherever. Find us somewhere. Give us some stars, please. Thank you very much. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, rate, review, like, like, unlike, like do it all over again. Is that what you usually say? <laughs> you can yes. follow me on Twitter at TCBBigs. You can also follow the Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks. And that'll do it for me. Take us out of here, Dan. All right, folks, you can find me on social media at DMARANG, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G. That's Twitter, Instagram, and everywhere else for all of your social media needs. Uh, on Blazers Outsiders on NBC Sports Northwest an hour before tip-off and as soon as Michael Holton and Jordan Kent get off the air in the post-game show. Uh, for Terrible and Bigs, I'm Danny Morang. We'll catch you guys next week. Take care. Bye.